Let me start by asking you a question. If there were two routes to Costco, which there are, there are multiple routes to Costco, but if there were two routes to Costco and, and one of those routes ended up in the death of 70% of the people who drove on that road and the other route decreased the amount of deaths significantly, which route would you go on to visit Costco? The answer seems pretty obvious. But while you're thinking about your answer, and while you hold that thought in your mind, I want you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew or Mark chapter 10 and verse 13. I'm reading from the free Bible version. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 13, Jesus, or the Bible tells us this. Some people brought their children to Jesus so that he could bless them, but the disciples shooed them away, told them to, to get away. But when Jesus saw what they were doing, he became very upset. And he said to them, let the children come to me. This text is about a lot of things, but, but one thing that is very clear that it is about that Jesus loves and cares for children. At the end of that, in Mark chapter 10 and verse 16, this little paragraph in the Bible, we're told that he hugged the children, placed his hands on them and blessed them. I like the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases this in his uh, translation of the Bible called The Message. The people brought children to Jesus, hoping that he might touch them. And the disciples shooed them off. But Jesus was irate and let them know it. Don't push these children away. Don't ever get between them and me. These children are the very center of life in the kingdom. And then he took them in his arms and laid his hands a blessing upon them. It is very clear. Jesus loves children. Now, before anyone changes this, because someone may say, well, I don't have children or this isn't about me, don't, don't jump to the next preacher just yet. This sermon isn't about kids. It, it is about kids, but, but it's really about culture. Culture. And that involves all of us. It, it's about who we want to be as a church, where this church should be going, and that involves all of us. We want to be a church that isn't shooing kids away from Jesus, but is putting them in a position to feel the warmth of Jesus' arms. My opening illustration asks the question, if there is two roads that went to Costco and one of them, 70% of the people died on that road. And one of them decreased that significantly. Which route would you take? The answer is obvious. Well, our church is on the road where 70% of the people are being lost. And when I say our church, I don't just mean the the larger ecumenical church. I don't just mean the larger global church of Adventism or in North America. I mean this church, Spencerville. We are on a death route, but it is subtle. Let me explain. Research inside and outside of our church, inside and outside of our church confirms that 70% of all young people are disconnecting and leaving the faith that they were raised in. 
between the ages of 18 to 22. Let that think in, sink in. 70% between the ages of 18 and 22. David Kinnaman paints an even bleaker picture. In his recent book, Faith for Exiles, he writes, after extensive research, he writes that only 10% of individuals between the ages of 18 and 29 are living lives as resilient disciples. And what does that mean, resilient disciples? It means Christ followers who attend church on a regular basis. It means Christ followers who are not only attend the regular worship service, but they're also engaged in, in other activities beyond the worship service, such as small groups. It means Christ followers who, who, who have oriented their lives around the Word of God and their beliefs and their behaviors are directed based on the teaching of God's Word. It means Christ followers that, that believe that Jesus is the only way to salvation. There's not multiple ways to salvation. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It means Christ followers that, that are living out their faith in such a way that they're intentionally looking to witness to their friends and to impact society through their faith. Kinnaman would say that 70% of young people have left the church. 20% are, are church, habitual church goers, but they are not people of faith. Their lives are not centered around who Christ has called them to be. And 10% of young people, he would say, are actively following and engaged in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, I hear these numbers and they seem high and shocking, but, but the sad thing is, is I look at the anecdotal evidence around me and I see that they are absolutely true. From my graduating class of a, at a Christian academy of 33 students, there's seven of us that are still actively engaged in the life and, and the community of faith that our parents raised us to be connected to. That's 21%. That's 79% that, are, that have stepped away. Christina indicated to me that her class might be even worse, that, that out of 30 kids, it's maybe four or five that are still engaged. 84% if the number is five, worse if it's four or less that are engaged and committed to the body of Christ. So what does this anecdotal evidence have to do with the Spencerville Seventh-day Adventist Church? and the Spencerville Seventh-day Adventist Church dying. It is this. We are no better and no different. Did you know that there are 368 individuals on the books of Spencerville Church between the ages of 20 and 29? From my rough research, and I did a very unscientific level of research talking to some who know and who are engaged and talking with families that I know, and just my own observation, I counted out of those 368, 257 of them are no longer actively committed to the church and or living their lives around the principles of the Bible. And honestly, family, it could be worse because I counted every one of the students that are in college I put them in the committed faith, active faith group. 
but they could be at college not living out their faith at all. But I gave them the benefit of the doubt. But did you hear what I said, that number? Out of 368, 358, excuse me, 257 of them are walking a different path. Walking a different path. If these numbers hold or, or even get worse, then what does the next group have in store for it? If, if 70% of our young people that are between the ages of 20 and 29 are already disconnected, think about the 542 young people that are in our church family between the ages of zero and 19. Where will they be in a decade or two decades? If the statistics stay just as they are, 380 of them will no longer be walking, holding the hands in the arms of Jesus. 380. What if the numbers get worse though? It could be even worse than that. Some people brought their children to Jesus, but the disciples shooed them away and tried to keep the children away. But, but when Jesus saw what they were doing, he, he became very upset and told them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. Brothers and sisters, we are driving on a route to Costco, Costco that is costing us 70% of our young people. We can blame the world's culture. We can blame maybe some of the friends that they have. But let's be collectively honest and say maybe some of this is on us. Maybe some of us are the disciples that are shooing the children away from Jesus. So if we're on this route, we're 70%, we're bleeding 70% of our young people. What's the solution? What's the solution? <laughs> it's obvious. Take a different road. If you're driving down a road and you, say, you see a sign, 70% of the people that drive this road do not make it. But take this other road and more of you will make it you will immediately take the other road. Folks, without delay, we need to take the other road. We need to take the other road. You've heard this before, but the definition of, his, of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Are we living out insanity in the church? And yuck, this is all horrible numbers to think about. But you know what? I have hope. I have so much hope. And here's the reason why. First and foremost, because Jesus will continue to fight for our children. Isaiah chapter 49, verses 24 and 25, again from the free Bible version. Can, can loot be taken from a warrior? Can prisoners be rescued from a dictator? Satan's that warrior who's stolen something from us. Satan's that dictator 
who's taken some of our young people prisoners. We can't get them back on our own. But, but the Bible tells us in verse 25, but this is what the Lord says. Even the prisoners of warriors will be won back. Even loot will be cut, recovered from a dictator. I will fight with your enemies and I will rescue your children. I am claiming that promise for my kids and for your kids. Jesus loves our children. He loves all of us, but, but he has a particular love for our young people. In Mark, he is hugging them, and in Isaiah, he is fighting for them when the devil steals them away. But I also have hope because of this, because you have shown me your heart. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21 says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And the treasure of this church for the last couple of decades has been squarely with our young people. And Spencerville Adventist Academy is living evidence of that. The children's ministries that we have in this church, if you combine the children's ministries and, and, and the, the youth ministries in this church, those things combined would be the largest budget item in our local church budget other than, other than Spencerville Adventist Academy. In other words, the, the largest percentage of our money is going towards, the largest percentage of our treasure is going towards our young people. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I know you love our children. Parents know you love our children. The, the number one reason why people choose Spencerville Church is because of the children's ministries, the children's departments, the Sabbath school teachers who do an amazing job loving and caring for our children. We see through your actions, teachers and volunteers at the school and here at the church, we see that you love and value the children. And I know parents and grandparents, you love our young people, which is why, which is why when I tell you about the new route that we need to go on in order to, to decrease the loss of our young people, because you've already shown me your heart through your pocketbooks and through your volunteerism for our young people, I know you will be willing to make this cultural shift because it has to be a cultural shift. The culture of this church must change and it needs to happen today. Otherwise, we're just continuing the insanity and losing more and more of our young people. Now, some people, when they, when they hear cultural change, their antennas might go up. The, the, they hear cultural shift and they, they start to think of, of, of a style change in the past. Or, oh no, is Chad going to start wearing flip-flops and, and, and shorts and sitting on a stool? No, I'm not. They, 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 think, they think that, that oh no, the music is going gonna, is gonna to change completely. And hey, a little variety in music is not a bad thing. When we had our college students up during COVID, man, it has been beautiful. And, and that young lady from Washington Adventist University that played the steel drum and, and Brody Wiedemann, one of our young adults who also happens to be our teacher at Spencerville Academy, when he played that harmonica, oh, so wonderful. A little, a little variety is nice. But I'm not talking about a big shift in music either. I've had parents over the years come to me 
over the last six years and even before that other places who, who, who will say things like, our kids aren't interested in church. We need different music. Actually, no. No, we don't. Our, our kids aren't, aren't, aren't engaged. We need more programs. We, we need more events. Actually, no. No, we don't. Our, our, our children, if, if we just put them up front more, if they're, if they're, if they're up on the platform more, then, then they'll want to stay at church. Actually, no, they won't. And that's not my opinion. That's actually research fact. An article from the Washington Post in 2016 written about young people leaving churches en masse, they, they, were, they were referencing some material called Growing Young. It's actually a material that's been endorsed by the North American Division Youth Department. A lot of our, of our youth pastors around the division have gone through uh, this training called Growing Young. And, and in this research, the Washington Post writes an article about, about how cool event-driven churches are not keeping their kids any better than traditional churches. And here is the opening line from that article. So many churches pour money and energy into flashy worship services meant to make teenagers and young adults think that the church is cool. But it turns out, the article says, cool isn't what young people want. Cool isn't going to keep the young people in church. So what do they want? They want authenticity. They want multi-generational relationships. And, and most of all, According to the research, the number one answer given by 2,300 young people between the ages of 15 and 29, the, 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 the thing that is most important to them in any church, no matter the style, no matter the music, the thing that is most important to them, the thing that draws them in the most is warmth. Warmth. The article says, it turns out warmth is the new cool. What was Jesus' appeal? Why were, why were people drawn to him? Why were children drawn to him? Get away, get away, leave Jesus alone. No, 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 no. Don't you dare get between me and these children. Let them come to me. And then he put his arms around them. He hugged them. That is warmth. So how do we get to warmth? How, how do we get to the warmth in our community of faith? It takes the entire culture to embrace the shift. It takes the entire church to embrace the cultural shift. And what is that cultural shift? The Adventist Review, 1902, then known as the Review and Herald, Ellen White wrote these words. The formation of small companies as a basis of Christian effort has been presented to me by one who cannot err. Small companies is Ellen White's word for small groups. You all probably remember me quoting that quote over and over again during the summer when I preached our, our series on small groups. And, I'm, and I praise God for how many people have, have, have joined small groups. And right now we are a church with small groups, but we need to become a church of small groups. That means the majority of us invested in being a part of small groups groups. Why? Because it's within small groups that, that, that people become warm. It's within small groups that people learn how to live in relationship with one another. It turns out from all the research, listen to this, from all the research, it turns out 
the small groups that Jesus modeled in his little discipleship group. The, the small groups and the house churches that were modeled by, by the early church in the book of Acts. The small groups that were, that were practiced by, by our Methodist brothers and sisters, the, the, the faith group that many of our pioneers came out of. The small groups that, that Ellen White was shown in vision by one who cannot err as a, as, as a method of ministry in the church. It turns out that small groups are one of the biggest things to help keep our young people in the church and connected and growing in the body of Christ. And I'm not talking about the young people just in those groups. I'm talking about everybody as a part of that community of faith. I mean all of us because culture doesn't change when a church has some small groups. Culture changes when the majority of us are, are living life together in small communities, loving one another, holding one another accountable, studying together, praying together, encouraging one another. Listen to the research. Listen to the research, y'all, from the book Essential Church by Tom Rainer, a book about how and why Young people between the ages of 18 and 35 drop out of church. Of the 70%, Rainer writes, that left, 71% of them were in churches that had no small groups. Of the 70% that left the church, 71% of them were in churches that had no small groups. Of the 30% that stayed in church, 61% of them were in churches that were made up of small groups groups. In Kinnaman's study, where he identifies only 10% of young people being resilient and, and active and, and truly faithful disciples of Jesus Christ, they in their churches experienced the following things. He, they, they, they checked off some, some scriptures and said, these are things that we experienced in our churches. This is why we stayed. This is why we are part of the 10% that are resilient and faithful. How is this possible? They experienced these realities in their churches. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14, we urge you brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. And then Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, bear with, one, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. What do these two texts have in common? They all are best achieved in the context of relationships, small relationships. I can't encourage the idol just from up here at the pulpit. What if I call someone out and said, hey, you're not serving the way you should. Come on, get involved, get engaged. And I call them out by name. That would be embarrassing to that person. But if I'm in a relationship with them, I can encourage them. That person that I know that is brokenhearted because their boyfriend or their girlfriend just broke up with them, I can go to them and I can say to them, if I'm in a relationship with them, if I'm in a small community of faith with them, I can say, hey, we love you. We're here for you. We're going to walk through this with you. Those young people, they say, we experienced that in our churches. That's why we stayed. Kinnaman writes, relationships are easy to assume in church, especially when human beings show up 
for church events. In other words, some of us think that our kids are connecting. Some of our kids are connecting simply because they don't put up a fight about coming to church. We think they're connecting simply because they show up and they, they go and they sit quietly and they listen. We've gotten to the place where we're, we say, man, we're just glad the kids are here. There's an aspect of that, but, but we think that that makes them engaged, but that doesn't make them engaged. He says, many churches focus on what happens during the weekend worship events and insufficient time is spent working to facilitate experiences in which people grow to like being with one another in small groups. And then back to the Washington Post article. In their research on how to grow young churches, how to keep our young people in the church, the article gives these basic points of guidance from the research, from the 2,300 young people surveyed between the ages of 15 and 29. They say this, redirect your church budget to the ministries that build warmth. And what is the first thing they mention in that article? under this category, small groups. The next step, they say, is encourage intergenerational worship. Great, we do that. We have intergenerational worship. Good. But wait a second. This doesn't mean just the weekend service. Have opportunities for connecting outside of the worship service. How? Through groups. Third, Generate, this is their advice. Third, generate tiny churches within church. Wait, how, how do they suggest we do this? By intentionally training and growing people in small groups. Tom Rainer's Essential Church Study, Kinnaman's Faith for Exiles Study, the Growing Young Study, they all affirm they all affirm that what Jesus modeled, what the early church modeled, what the Methodist church modeled, what our pioneers in the Adventist church modeled, what Ellen White was shown by one who cannot err as a way to do and the way we should do ministry, small groups. Brothers and sisters, our mission is to grow as disciples, every single one of us. But we can't think we're actually healthy when we're dying in our lower ranks at a rate of 70%. And in order for that to change, the culture must change. We must become a church that's not just friendly in the foyer, but that we are warm in relationships. Warmth doesn't happen from style of a church service. It doesn't happen from a lot of events or even friendly people in the lobby. It happens in small communities. Again, from the post, warmth may not seem like a big secret, but it does come with a hard truth. Warmth is often slow, really slow. Stability, patience, faithfulness to a local community. These unsexy traits give root to churches that grow young, eventually producing the fruit of warmth. It takes time and commitment to move past the superficiality of lobby hellos into the intimate spaces of authenticity. Then they say this, progress may be slow, but that's all the more reason to get started today. We need to get started today. 
as you're watching this, I'm sitting in a room with three sons that are watching it as well. If statistics hold, there's a chance that two of my children will not be walking with Jesus into adulthood. The statistics go up if I raise my children in a church that is okay with staying on the status quo route that kills their faith, that shoes them away from Jesus, that doesn't teach them that Jesus is warm because they see a church that is warm. If statistics grow, I could lose all three of them and you could lose yours. And some of you right now are weeping in your hearts because your children are already, they've already walked away. And I would say to you, pray Isaiah 49. I will pray it for you and with you. Jesus is still fighting for your children. He still wants to rescue your children. But, but help the rest of us that still have our children. Help the, the 500 plus young people that are in our midst from zero to 19. Let's do something today to change the culture. So let us right now together make the choice to be a church that will grow warm to be a church that will, that will metaphorically put our arms around the children and hug them the way that Jesus did. How? By becoming not just a church with small groups, but a church of small groups. And here is how you can do that. Listen to me. This is important. It will take each one of us making this decision not to wait for the church to get just the right group for you, not to wait for, for just the right leader to come along for you, uh, not to wait for just the right timing of a small group. Grab two or three people you know right now and say, let's be a group together. If you've got children, then do what Christina did this summer. We asked three families to join us outside in our, in our backyard, physically distanced. And we had a small group and eight kids, eight adults, all learning and growing in Jesus together. And it was beautiful. And anyone can do it. And I say that because the kids helped to lead the group. The adults were supporting, but the kids were leaders. It was amazing. You don't have any kids? Remember, the cultural change is all of us. The kids observe if we are actually a warm church, if we are actually authentic, if we are actually intergenerationally connecting if we were actually getting past the superficiality of lobby hellos into the intimate spaces of authenticity and warmth. Don't wait. It's going to take all of us to make our children and their eternal walk with Jesus and connection to his church a priority. We'd love to know if you do this, and I would ask all of you to do it. Call right now, two or three friends, but go online to spencerfieldchurch.org slash small groups and, and tell us who is in your group. N not so that we can pester you, but so that we can know that who is beginning to care and minister for one another. If, if for some reason you don't know anybody, maybe you've moved here during COVID and you've not connected to anybody, then, then let us know and we'll connect you to somebody. Culture change. All of us 
together. God is fighting for our children. Let's not just turn our head and say, but we're going to keep going down the road of death. We're going to take the alternate route. We're going to stop the insanity. We're going to take the alternate route. We're going to become a church that is growing warm every single day. Lord Jesus, I pray, I appeal to you to convict each of our hearts, my heart and the hearts of those listening, Lord. Our prophet, she was shown by one who cannot err that this was the way to go. As she says further on in that statement, much good, much more good is done through the relationships developed through the heart than, than a statement of logic from the front of the church. Lord, we need to grow young. We need to stop bleeding our children and being okay with it. And Lord, from the research, but more importantly, from our prophet and more importantly, from the word of God, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples, that you have love, brotherly, connected love one to another. Get us out of sitting in the pews and connect us in groups and grow us for your kingdom, Jesus, and save our children, we pray. Amen.